you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Genesis, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so excited to kind of turn the microphone and be able to get to know you a little bit since I was on your podcast just a little while ago. So start out by telling me just a couple of surprising, oh, I don't know, little facts about you or something that other people might not know. So my husband and I love zip lining. We've done it over like Travis and Austin. We've done it in Jamaica. We've done it in Colorado in the snow while it was actually snowing. And then we've done it in Mexico. So we try to get zip lining in um, on different vacations. And at first, like whenever um, we did the ones over water, I was super scared because I was like, what about if I drop like in the water is like super deep? Cause I wouldn't say that I'm an expert swimmer but I wouldn't say I'm a novice either. So that was just like a fear. So just getting over that. So that would be one. The second one is I am definitely the baby out of five. We're a blended family. So I tell people I have the best of both worlds or I call myself the glue that keeps it all together because my, my mom had two boys and my dad had two girls. And when they got married, they had me. So voila, the glue. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And the third interesting fact is I am hands down a foodie whose tropical blood is running through my veins. My dad was South American and my mom is Caribbean. So I absolutely hate the cold. So you can imagine when we went um, zip lining in Colorado, I had triple layers of clothes on because it was that cold. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you live? Do you live in a warm place? Yes, Texas. <laughs> okay, okay, good. I'm like, oh no, I hope you, I live in Utah and I'm like, you couldn't be that way here either. So you have to just get used to the cold. So oh, that's awesome. Well, great. It's good to meet you and hear some things about you. And so now I've got to hear why you do what you do and take me back and tell me your lemon to lemonade story. Ooh, so I'm going to start when I was a kid because my dad and I have been glued to the hips, metaphorically speaking, since I was a kid. He was my number one supporter. And, you know, when he passed in 2020, I felt like the wind was knocked out of me. So in school, I was a victim of bullying um, in high school. So I went through a depression and it was during that dark part of my life where I felt like I had no purpose, no hope or worth. There were nine consecutive days where I did not go to school, but I come from a religious and spiritual background. So my parents were always telling me like positive affirmations, reciting what God says about you, um, who you are and different stuff. And it was, I guess, at the end of that night day, and probably because my parents got a letter from the school saying, if I don't come to school, <laughs> they'll be they'll be forced to go to court. Um, 
that I just kind of got out of it slowly, but surely I tell people I was the skinniest I ever was in my life. Then um, just getting out of that, I kind of got back on the journey of, you know, finding my purpose and stop seeking validations in other people. So I guess like now the buzzword is imposter syndrome, but so now definitely peeling the onion layers back, I began to see, okay, who is Genesis? What is Genesis worth? See myself as a masterpiece. So that definitely helped give me the confidence that I needed to continue to walk out the high school journey because I was doing everything and anything to try to fit in when in actuality, I don't need to fit in with other people if they're going to bring me down. I just need to be confident and solidify who I am and how I show up in the world. And if that person is not for me, then they're just not for me. They're just not part of my tribe. So all of that has helped me, you know, build and grow personally and professionally. And I think just having that experience at a young age helped me whenever I got into the professional world. So just fast forwarding, I started working at the age of 15 because I was doing a co-op program in high school because I just wanted to get out of school early. I was like, oh, I want to make my own money. And I did not want to do a fast food job like other teenagers. So my first job was working for a real estate broker, and I thought that was the coolest job. And at first, whenever she's like, hey, have you thought about getting your real estate license? I tell people I was young and dumb, and I should have did that because I definitely could have saved a lot on buying my first home. But then now, hindsight 2020, I was like, I was very naive, and you don't know what you don't know, right? So after that um, job, you, we all know what happened in 2008, 2009 with the home market. So I was jobless and I was like, oh my gosh. And at first I wasn't thinking about it because I was like, oh, you know, I'm a teenager. I could find another one. Who wouldn't want to hire this great gal? <laughs> so definitely my ego was boosted once I got out of that IS. And then I went to work at the cancer center, which I love that job. The only thing that was um, sad and disheartening for me was after I built a relationship with a patient and I found out that that patient went on to transition or went on to glory or the afterlife or whatever you want to say, it crushed me because I would see them come in on a daily basis for their chemo, their radiation. I'll be the front desk girl getting them their snacks, uh, their coffee. Sometimes I would sit there and chit chat with them and they just had amazing outlooks at life because they were going through this, but then they said, you know what? They had the mindset that it wasn't just happening to them, but it was happening for them. And one of the ladies that um, was a breast cancer patient, her and I are still friends to, to this day. We still text every now and then. And it was really cool had I not worked there at that job and just really learned more about myself and how to interact with other people. I wouldn't have built that um long-term friendship. So I thought that was really cool. And it kind of just set me up for success because I really wanted to be a pediatrician when I grew up. And that was my goal. I was a psychology major. I was working at the cancer center, had my glimpse into that. But oh, let me back up really quick because it's an important part of the story. So, so the backup part, before I got the job at the cancer center, I used to volunteer with them because I am a big proponent, supporter of Relay for Life, which is a cancer um, thing because my aunt passed from leukemia. And now her daughter um, has leukemia and she was this, she's the same exact 
exact age as when her mom was first diagnosed with it. So it was like deja vu. So that, um, that volunteering experience, they got to know who I was like on a community service side. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they hired me. So then fast forwarding. So once that job started to fizzle out, I lost that job because there was a new cancer center that opened with state-of-the-art equipment. And it was this five-star hospital, all of these glorious bells and whistles. And, you know, if our patients are going there, we don't have the patients and we don't need that much staff. So I was like, oh my gosh, since I'm the front desk, okay, you're the first to go. And I was like, oh, so then that led me now into the later part of my career. So I didn't know what I was going to do, Heidi. And I remember going to school telling my teacher, I don't have a job again. She's like, not again. And I said, yeah. So she was like, okay, we need to find you something so you could meet the requirements of the class. So she asked, okay, well, what is it that you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to make some money and, you know, have some spending cash and be able to go out with, you know, my new friends that actually like me. Um, so it was this oil and gas company. It was a corrosion company, a small mom and pop British company. I was like, oil and gas. I was like, Professor, didn't I tell you I wanted to be a pediatrician when I grew up? How is this in alignment with my path, right? And she's like, well, do you want to make a passing grade for the class? And I was like, Hmm, good point. So I took that job and it was like the most boringest job, Heidi. I was an imaging clerk. All I did was scan papers all day long. And I remember falling asleep at work. Like I was just, eh. the paper was going through the scanner and I just like closed my eyes. And I remember like a tap on my shoulder. And when I looked up, it was my boss. And she's like, you need to wake up. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I felt like so unprofessional and incompetent at that point. But like, imagine scanning papers all day. That's so tedious and boring. So then I was like, man, I got to do something else. I got to like find another position. So I started to network with the project managers. I was like, what is, what do you do? And I was asking questions and different stuff. So then that led me to move into project management where I was supporting the project managers. I was doing the reports for them, compiling the pictures and different stuff. And I thought that was so cool because learning about the rigs and seeing how they did things it was fascinating. And hearing how much money they made going offshore and it was tax-free, I was like, where do I sign up? (laughs) Um, So after that, I did that um, role for a little bit. Then the company, we were growing and they wanted a safety department because the company never had one. So my old boss at the time, the one who tapped me on my shoulder, she's like, hey, would you like to come work in my department? I was like, doing what? And she's like, oh, it's HSC. And I was like, and that is? And she's like, health, safety, and environmental. I was like, I don't know one thing about that and how that pertains. So her and I got together and we built the safety program from the ground up. Then um, she ended up wanting to go work for the big boys because she was at that company for 14 years. She was the first person to go on maternity leave. So she created the maternity leave program and all of these things. So we were like really like the grandfathers of the company in a sense. And when she left, they gave me her role as an HSC manager. So you could see how my career progressed from the bottom to the top. And I was like, when, when Dee was here, she had an assistant and that was me. 
Now, who do I have? And you want me to run the warehouse, the fabrication shop, and do all of this stuff? So then when I had an, had enough of enough, I began looking for other jobs for Fortune 500 companies. And the funniest thing was I ended up accepting a job with the company that she went to work for. We were in different departments, but we got reunited again. And now we're really good friends. Um, then she really opened up to me that one reason why she gravitated to me was that they had a little sister who would have been my age and she passed away at a young age. I think she was like maybe nine or 10 when she passed away. So when she told her family about me, they kind of took me under um, their wings. And I think just going through that life experience and having someone who challenged me, but also believed in me so much to help me accelerate my career was amazing. So now here I am at this Fortune 500 company. And I was like, oh, this is glamorous, a company with international ties. I can't wait to travel and use all this experience. And then you know what they said, Heidi? Uh -oh. You're going to be an administrative assistant. I said, what? I said, wait, come again? Me? Did you not see my resume? I was an HSC manager. I was like, I need a technical role. And then I, that's when I learned to humble myself. And I feel like no matter at what level you are in in life, sometimes you have to go back to square one to learn another valuable level um, lesson and level before you're able to propel and advance. And sometimes people don't always want to do that. It's kind of like when they say, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And I'm like, oh, Rudy Patootie, I don't want to do this. But then I just had to swallow my pride put on my big girl panties and suck it up. So I took the administrative assistant role and I said, if anything, this is my foot in the door and I could always use my skills and my expertise at networking to begin to climb the ladder again. And I never know why things happen to me, but they're happening for me. So I was an administrative assistant for four and a half years. It felt like so long, but during that, I learned how to network across the board. I got to do step out activities like United Way, the golf tournament. I got to partner with Junior Achievement. I got to do so many other cool things that I would not have done if I jumped right into a professional role and different people across the company and departments got to know me. So when it came time for me to graduate, one of the ladies that I met at one of the step out activities, we were volunteering for Junior Achievement. She was retiring and she put my name in the hat for my first professional assignment. So I moved from an administrative assistant into being a raw material coordinator for polypropylene, which is known as PP. It's a form of plastics. Had no idea what the role was, but she told me, oh, you're going to be sourcing all of the all of the raw materials that go into making this product for the chemical plant. And you don't ever want to stock out a chemical plant because it's millions of dollars on a daily basis. So I was like, ooh, the pressure is high. But you want to know the caveat, Heidi? She did not tell me that her boss was the Wicked Witch of the West. She was so mean. Like she was so just out of this world, just mean and just nasty and I'm like a bubbly person the same way I am on here that's why I was like good morning and when what's so good about it 
I'm like, you woke up to see another day. <laughs> like, I mean, there's always something to be happy or excited about. Like you have clothes on your back, food on the table. And so her and I just kept butting heads. And I even went to her supervisor because it was just getting to the point where it was a hostile working environment. And I mean, you spend the majority of your day at work. You don't want to put up with nonsense. So fast forwarding, um, she went on maternity leave and then I got a new supervisor and he was so cool. And he said, man, if I would have listened to what she said about you, I don't think we would have had a good working relationship. And she literally tried to make my ranking suffer. Then fast forwarding, did that position for 11 months because during the time I got engaged to my now husband. And after all of that happened, um, and some of the things I went through from workplace, workplace abuse, that hostility, um, I also went through a little bit of discrimination, which made me really open my eyes to the fact that is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging really evident in this workplace to, you know, writing my book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. And I put everything in that book of what happened to me just to really inspire people that you have to take ownership of your career, number one. Number two, you have to be your biggest advocate. Number three, you have to see yourself for who you are, have self-worth, self-awareness and really practice that self-care and also check in with yourself to make sure you're in the right mental state because sometimes when you go through various traumas whether they're work traumas home traumas childhood traumas those things can begin to affect your mental health and before you realize it you're spiraling down out of control <laughs> a condensed version of my lemon to lemonade story <laughs> of your working through your lifetime but I want to know did you ever go to school to be a pediatrician no I ended up changing my degree um once I got into that fortune 500 company I went from a psychology major to getting my degree in supply chain and logistics and technology with double minors in purchasing and organizational leadership and supervision because the company offered me a sweet deal and that was to pay some of my tuition. So I was like, oh yes, I could come out of school with not that much student loan. <laughs> That's awesome. What would be your advice that you would give to someone that might be in your situation or someone who might be struggling with finding their purpose in their employment too? So I would definitely ask them, is what you're doing now, does it fulfill you? Do, do you wake up every day with joy? Are you excited when you pull up to that place of employment? Or do you just sit in your car like, oh, let me get, let me, ooh, let me wake up, let me wake up, let me pet myself up to walk into this hellhole because it got so bad where I said, oh my gosh, I got to go into this compound. So I would ask you, like, how do you feel like, and really pay attention to your entire body. Like when you ask yourself the question and you're either responding externally or internally, what is your body language like? What type of energy are you exuberating? Because you could fake it till you make it all day long, but people could see through that. I would also ask yourself, how much are they paying you to sleep on your dreams? Because if you feel like the paycheck is just allowing you to be complacent, then you're not really fulfilled. So you definitely need to look at doing something else. And then three, what's tied to your core values and your mission? And does it match that company's core values and missions? Yes, the money could be good. They have great perks. But if you still feel empty and unfulfilled, 
it's a sign that you need to do something else, whether you're going to another employee or you're building your own business on the side until it's time for you to fully transition out of that nine to five structure. Yeah, that's great <laughs> advice. Um, but I want to ask you too about your podcast. Like what made you start to do that as well? So my podcast came after I was doing it for so long. I was guest appearing on other people's show. Then um, three different CEOs reached out to me to host their podcast. So I was hosting three different podcasts simultaneously for CEOs. And then one day I was like, man, if I could do it for them, I could do it for myself. But I had no idea where to start. But what really hit the nail on the head was losing my dad in November of 2020. And I just got tired of people telling me about how I should grieve or how they feel like how I felt when in actuality, I'm like, you possibly can't because both of your parents are living. Do you know what it's like to lose a dad? Do you know what it's like to lose a person to medical negligence? And the, what my dad went through, can you imagine like going to the hospital and three days later, you're paralyzed from the waist down, your entire quality of life changed? You don't know how I feel. You don't know how he felt. You don't know what it was like to be a caregiver and all of these. And I felt like I just had so much anger and emotions bottled up that it was just easy to just open my phone. And I found out that on anchor.fm, you could do it from your phone or you could do it from your computer. And I said, I'm just going to talk into my phone, just be real, raw and transparent. And before I knew it, I was getting messages from different people that said, oh my gosh, like your grief was exactly what I was going through and da, da, da. And they would tell me all this stuff. And then I started to add on the other layers of grief. You know, eventually I got laid off from that Fortune 500 company, but it came after I stood up to in the vice president's meeting. And one week later, I got a $20,000 salary increase. And then my classification level got bumped from a 15 to a 22, because they already knew that there was injustice, but why did it take the whole Black Lives Matter movement? Or why did it have to take me sharing my experience with racism personally and professionally for you to give me what I was worth? And then um, I talked about, you know, other things that happened. Like after my dad passed, I lost, I found out I was being laid off one week after he passed, which was very insensitive. Then I was forced to work up until February of 2021. If I didn't, I wouldn't have gotten my severance package or my vacation time or any of that. Then after that, nine months and five days later, my grandmother passed. So my dad's mom. And then after that, in January of 2020, I lost my mom's mom. So my other grandmother. So a year and a half of grief um, from the loved ones to, you know, grieving the loss of my job. That is a form of grief. And I just, you know, laid it out all on the table. I was like, at this point, I have nothing else to lose. <laughs> and I began to just kind of go through it. And then once I go, once I went through it, I grew through it. And I tell people, yeah, I was really in my breakthrough. It broke me, but somehow I made it through. And I guess it was the good man above that had his hands around me because I was starting to be a walking, talking, ticking time bomb because if someone said anything else to me about how I should grieve they were gonna have it and it may not be in a in a pretty way 
then I got to a point where Heidi, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know what? There's so many gems out here. And that's why the show is called Gems with Genesis and Mars Kemp. And I started to interview other people who had amazing stories, whether it was something in the diversity space or the inclusion or equitable, or if they were helping other people get through grief or whatever the case may be. And then that's when I was like, oh my gosh, these are my core pillars to educate, to inspire and motivate. And then I could pair that with diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Why? Because there's so many ways that we are alike versus difference. And if we focus on the similarities versus the differences, you could see how we begin to come together and really make those gems. And gems aren't something that just surface. You have to go through the pressure in order to really get the oil out in order to see the diamonds, the rubies, and all these incredible things. So I was like, you have to go through the pressing. And it's just kind of like the olive press. You have to press and press until you get the olive oil. And then the gems that yes. come from all that pressure. Oh my goodness. That's a great title for that. It's an amazing gift that you're giving, providing this platform for people to share and encourage each other too, what they're going through. And there is no rules for grieving. And I'm glad you've made that very clear. There's no map. There's no rules. There's no checklist. You grieve how you need to grieve and you get over it when you get over it. And so thank you for being a voice for that as well. That's My awesome. pleasure. Yeah. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or any advice? or? Ooh, so much. But I, I guess I'll just leave them with a reflection quote from the book. So let me see. This is from I your book. Yes, from my book. So there's like a reflection section. So one quote is share your experiences. When we talk about our trials and tribulations, it helps others. Let's learn from other people's mistakes, be open to new perspectives and support one another. No one wins alone. It takes a community, courage and a buy-in to create change. So that's one and I'll leave them with another one. And this is for all my dreamers out there and visionaries. If you have a dream and vision to achieve something, then you have the power to do it. Keep the determination and continue to run your race. You may fall or even fail, but that doesn't mean you can't achieve greatness. Get back up and press forward. And you wrote these quotes? Mm -hmm. I oh. created all these different quotes. So there are, let's see, one, two, two and a half pages of reflection quotes that I put in the book. And then I did a discovery exercise that says, who am I? Because I feel like we need to know who we are. And once we know who we are, we're not going to feel like we're a victim or a or pray anymore because we are so complete and confident in ourselves. And you won't feel like an imposter either. You know, I love how you brought that up earlier as we find out who we are and what our passions are and our interests and everything that kind of makes us who we are, then we can go forward and be our best and give that gift to other people, which is what you're doing. 
Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Heidi, for allowing people to share their lemon to lemonade story. It makes me want to have some lemonade now. <laughs> right? That's awesome. Well, and thank you for writing this so, and, and speaking out. I just appreciate you sharing your voice so that other people can have a voice they can relate to and help inspire them. So thank you. Thank you, Heidi. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. That's so sad about your dad and the struggles he had. So I'm sorry you've had to deal with all that. Thank you. It it definitely helped me because now whenever I find someone um, that's going through something in the medical system and I'm like, what? Okay. Oh, you need help? I mean, let first we need to look at the bill. Let's see if these charges are right. Um, do you know that there, that you could get a patient advocate? And I told all this stuff. So even like when my neighbor, her dad had fell in the shower at the house and she came over to get um, myself and my husband, but we were out for for the day. And when she told me, I was like, oh, you could report it to, you know, the state of Texas because he went through a period in the hospital where they weren't bathing him. And then his um, wound got infected. I said, oh, you could get a patient advocate. The hospital has social workers and case workers. And I said all this stuff. She said, oh my gosh. I said, yeah, I learned it all through my dad because I was (laughs) cracking that whip. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that amazing? The stuff we learn through some of our hardest, worst times. Yeah. It's, it's learning those things and then helping others. That is the lemon to lemonade. You know, it's just, now you have all this knowledge, which you wouldn't want, you know, it's not like you asked for that, but you learned it and embraced it. And now you're sharing that with other people. That's amazing. That's a good attitude you have there. He'd be very proud. Thank you. Awesome. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.